This is the morning brief from the Economic Times. A food poisoning incident. Over 150 women hospitalized. A slew of protests and a plant that was put on probation. Foxconn Technology India's plant in the industrial hub of Sri Perambur has seen it all since December last year. But this isn't the first time that Apple assembler Foxconn has come under fire for poor living conditions. Foxconn is not a sweatshop. I mean, you go to this place and it's a factory, uh, but my gosh, I mean, they've got restaurants and movie theaters and hospitals and swimming pools, and I mean, it's a It's a for a factory. It's a pretty nice factory, but they've you know they've had uh, if you count the attempted suicides, 13 so far this year. And while that is still, they have 400,000 people at this place, so 13 out of 400,000 is 26 per year so far uh, for 400,000 people, or uh, you know let's say seven per hundred thousand people. That's still under the U.S. U.S. suicide rate of 11 per hundred thousand people, but it's it's really troubling. That was Steve Jobs from an interview in 2010, talking about the string of suicides that took place at the sprawling Foxconn plant in China. And his description of the Foxconn factory in China made me wonder what he'd have thought of the factory and its facilities in India. Forget malls, restaurants, and movie theaters. These workers claimed that they were provided substandard food and abysmal living conditions, and refused to go back to work, forcing Apple to intervene and put the plant on probation. Taiwanese electronics manufacturing companies in India have been having a bumpy ride. While Foxconn's case is the most recent, it was only last year that another Taiwanese firm, Wistron, found itself firefighting as angry workers alleged non-payment of wages and ransacked its plant in Karnataka. Have Taiwanese companies not understood the pulse of doing business in India? What's the latest on Foxconn? How will this incident impact the larger, very promising electronics manufacturing ecosystem in India? Find out all of this and more as we speak to Sana Hashmi, a visiting fellow at the Taiwan Asia Exchange Foundation and former consultant in the Ministry of External Affairs, Government of India. Sashi Kumar Gendam, Salcomp India's Managing Director and Secretary of Electronic Industries Association of India, or ELSINA, and Justice K. Chandru, a former judge of the Madras High Court. I'm Dia Riki. Today is Thursday, the 20th of January, and you're listening to Foxconn Furori on The Morning Brief. Let's begin by understanding what led to this furori. Hundreds of women working at Foxconn's Sri Perambudur plant uh, that manufactures iPhones for Apple company protested on the Chennai-Bengaluru highway, alleging the company of hushing up severe food poisoning. The workers stated that over 250 of their colleagues had taken ill after consuming food provided at the company provided hostel. They alleged that neither the whereabouts of the ill workers nor the exam numbers of those affected was notified to them. Several workers alleged that even ministers who were approached did not give them any assurance of action that will be taken against the company. When this happened in December, 
the Tamil Nadu state government on its part moved in swiftly and began investigating the hostel facilities. Apple too sent independent auditors from their end to carry out a detailed assessment and found that some of the hostels and dormitories did not meet the company's requirements. Both Apple and Foxconn assured that corrective action would be implemented. I asked Sashi Kumar about what went wrong at Foxconn. Here's what he had to say. From the external, what we know uh, from the media and also you know the public is that there has been certain challenges in in proper arrangements. So that's what we do understand. But then, as we all know, electronics industry, especially in uh, India and also in Tamil Nadu, has been growing very rapidly. This particular growth trajectory that we are seeing today is it's all of a sudden. Companies might be ready to kind of you know take on this growth because uh, large companies do have experiences in other countries and have seen such ramp ups and ramp downs but then for us here when we recruit several thousands of people at one particular time frame i mean it's not just the company but the support system you know the, the the surrounding ecosystem it's not ready yet i mean we are just in the process of building the ecosystem so the gap between this time frame of being ready for uh, mass production versus you know building up the support infra there has been some challenges i believe so maybe that is one of the reasons why we have seen such cases in india at this stage but when we speak of scale and ramping up quickly how large is foxconn in comparison to other electronic manufacturing majors in the country i mean to what i've heard in public is that i mean they already have more than 25000 uh, people overall and i mean that that has happened in in a, in a year or so altogether today no doubt significantly they are one of our biggest employers in the electronics industry uh, but then there are several other companies like including our own you know where we recruit people close to like 10000 people but uh, see getting about 1000 or 2000 people a month we don't see that as a significant challenge i think that should be possible through regular sourcing methods and all the referrals and recruitments but then when we go you know beyond that like 5000 people or close to 10000 people every month that's where the real challenge starts because as i said companies might be ready to do that but i think the support infrastructure including the contractors or locations for for housing these people they are all not ready yet so i see this as initial teething problems that we are facing but then you know there's a great lessons that we have to learn out of these incidents but eventually in the next one or two years definitely things should get better if we are aiming you know and as we are aiming to go to be the second largest manufacturing destination for electronics uh, in the world what exactly are these infrastructure problems though a very many infra challenges surrounding is that the dorm facility or you know the industrial housing facilities in china i think that's a that's a norm i mean that's how cities have been built that's how you know several, several organizations where tens of thousands of people have been recruited i mean they all stay within the campus and then you know, they commute to work but in our case here right now we do not have such an option you know where we have a massive scale of housing available right next to the factories or within the uh, campus of companies so this particular uh, thing which i which i name as infrastructure is availability of industrial housing for people where companies can can house their employees and get them to work as someone who has visited china for decades i asked sashi kumar to walk us through what the living conditions are like in factories there when coming to specific on this industrial housing 
Of course, companies do have a gamut of the housing infrastructure available for people starting from like general managers and then you have housing for staff and you have housing for the production line workers and all of them. But then different cities and different companies have different standards. But however, mostly companies have built-in infra which is kind of conducive for people to kind of work and live. We have seen many stories, you know, we have heard a lot also from the press and all that, that certain dormitories are not in standards and all that. That's a norm. I think that that's true probably. But then majority is, is what I refer to. They are quite okay. I mean, quite okay in terms of living conditions so that they can commute uh, to work and, and go back, you know, or take a rest in their dorm. So what changes now? See, first I see that this industrial housing or so-called dorms, this will definitely become a norm. I mean, we, we cannot avoid it. When we are trying to build the nation, you know, to be second largest manufacturing destination for electronics for the world, it is only, uh, you know, right that we will have so, so much employment being generated. And it would not be possible for us to have our people commute, you know, from uh, home to work and uh, work to home. 24 by 7 with, with several hundreds of buses. So therefore, dorm is a norm for sure. There's no, no second thought about it. But what this, I mean, what all these incidents are telling us is that, you know, we have to really beef up the, the, the infrastructure on the industrial housing. Because today what is happening is that when such large-scale recruitments are going on, there are not enough people around the factories here. In reality, we go down south, though, I mean, east and west, wherever possible, to get people like 200 to 500 kilometers away. I mean, we have to really get people from interior rural parts and get them to the cities, you know, to come and work here. Of course, they need, they need to have a proper place to stay. And therefore, and moreover, more so, second thing I, I also want to kind of highlight here is that in addition to this, electronics industry is mainly powered by women force. Uh, this being the case, when you go down south or other parts of Tamil Nadu or, or, or you know, neighboring states to get these uh, employees to work, the first thing their parents ask is that, will my daughter be safe at your workplace? Because it's a new place altogether for them. They've never been to the such cities. So therefore, the standards of living, it's not just about uh, comfort, but also it's about safety and overall well-being will really become a norm. And as I said earlier, China has been, has been building this infrastructure over years. I, I, I don't think they got it right first time. But then today, nobody really talks so much about it because it's all set. We would also need some time to do that. I mean, things have all changed in the last two years during pandemic. And then we are fighting for our own challenges in a way there is shortage of materials, where the prices of commodities have really gone so high. Can we keep our production lines running? So there are so many other challenges like this. But then, you know, it's going to take some time before we, we settle all of these challenges. And while companies have to step up, he also said that the government has to play an active role in aiding this process. We would also need government to kind of step in here and in this particular thing. I mean, while we invite investors, while we invite several foreign companies to come and invest in India, I think there are various reasons why they are compelled to come here. One is uh, the market itself, or and the second is the diversification possibilities, and the third is to, to overall cost ownership. Maybe may not be now, but probably in the next few years, and all of this. So, having said that, the government also should co-work with the industry, and I think we should start building such kind of infra in advance, not you know later once the investments are here. 
I think that's how China is also inviting companies. I mean, they build factories for organizations. They build dorms for organizations. And organizations, when they go there, it's just ready for them to start immediately in less than three to six months. I mean, can you believe Tesla's own factory was built and operated? I, I think if the record was right, less than a year. But that would not have been possible without government stepping in. Now, if you're wondering why all this UN cry around this incident, here's some context. The domestic electronics manufacturing industry is expected to see 30% growth in the next fiscal to be worth nearly 7 lakh crore rupees. According to industry body ICEA, whose members include Apple, Foxconn, Wistron, Lava and Vivo, mobile phone production in the country peaked at 2.2 lakh crore rupees in 2020-2021 and it's expected to cross 2.7 lakh crore rupees by March 2022. While we're at it, here's another number for you. Foxconn and Kolar-based Wistron are the two Taiwanese contract manufacturing partners for Apple in India. The units reportedly manufacture around 70% of the company's mobile phones in value terms for the Indian market. So, as you can see, the stakes are super high. As per a government official who did not wish to be named, Foxconn has currently received approval to operate only two of its 17 hostels. Around 400 workers and 2,000 technical staff began work at the plant when it commenced operations on January 12th. E. Muthukumar, the Kanchipuram District Secretary of the Centre of Indian Trade Unions or CITU, told ET that there are a number of issues that the women were hoping to get rectified. The foremost being that they wanted to be workers who were on the rolls of the company. When it came to living conditions, he said that aside from improving the facilities in their hostels, the company should also ease up as he believed that these young girls were being robbed of their freedom. Now this brings me to the law. I got Justice Chandru to decode Foxconn's operations in India. Foxconn also represents one such, one such disease that it is, though multinational, but many of these uh, workers are outsourced workers. But in the name of giving them certain amount of social security or production or uh, shelter, these people hire um, places for stay for these women because most of them are women who are married or uh, not uh, unmarried. So all these industries are set up in a most backward areas with very little infrastructure facilities. And therefore, so, to some extent, the industry itself has to provide certain amount of infrastructure for the purpose of sustaining its own workforce. In which case, when it ostensibly doing certain amount of uh, welfare measure, it also does it not directly, but through the outsource agencies, thereby whitewashing any kind of uh, responsibility of running these places. That is how the very problem started. Unfortunately, we do not have a law which fixes the responsibility on the principal employer in matters outside the production areas. But what about the bigger picture? Why aren't these Taiwanese companies able to adapt to the Indian business environment? I spoke to Sana, a visiting fellow at the Taiwan Asia Exchange Foundation, to explain what's amiss. The lack of cultural affinity and the common language has been a problem and 
I think this is one of the reasons why Taiwanese companies have primarily been looking at China and also Southeast Asia. Of course, with the coming of the new Southbound policy, they have been looking at India. They have been looking at several other Southeast Asian countries where they don't have cultural affinities. They don't have common language. But I think uh, they have familiarity with the Southeast Asian region. But with India, there is no familiarity. And they haven't really got the knack of how to operate in India. And when they come to India, they mostly rely on the agent, third party, local contractors. And this is one of the reasons why these incidents have taken place. Foxconn, as we've established, is no alien to controversy. But what made these two incidents in India different from what happened in China? Of course, there have been problems when it comes to Taiwanese companies operating in other countries such as China and Southeast Asian countries. But China is not a democracy. Such issues happen in China as well. But the thing is that these issues don't really come out in open like it has come out in India. There are hardly any protests that have been covered in the media in China. So I think uh, these are the perils of democracy. These are the cons of being a democracy that such issues covered hugely in international and domestic media. So why is India, a country with no cultural affinity to Taiwan, so important for the generally risk-averse Taiwanese businesses? Sana said that the DPP, or the Democratic Progressive Party, has been retreating from China and is looking to invest in other countries such as India under its new southbound policy. But what is holding India and Taiwan back? What are the challenges that these countries are facing when it comes to trade ties? The problem is that a formal institutional mechanism or a government-supported body to drive economic relations has clearly been missing. Bilateral economic ties have not yet reached their full potential. In 2000 and 2001, trade relations between uh, India and Taiwan stood at around 1.2 billion. And now two decades later, in 2020 and 21, it was about 5.6 billion. So I believe the figure is still much below its potential. Um, and India-Taiwan trade isn't even 1% of each other's global trade in goods and services. And Taiwan is 17th largest trading partner of India and 14th largest export destination um, and Taiwan is India's 34th, 35th largest trading partner. But last year, we saw that there was an increase in the trade volume. And by the end of the financial year, we saw that the volume seems to be more than the last couple of years. And it might be increasing more in the coming times. And as far as the investments are concerned, so Taiwan's FDI in India has been abysmally low given cumulative FDI flows to India is actually total more than 750 billion for the period of April 2000 to March 2021. So I think these are the issues that the figures have remained low, have remained much below its potential. But I think we also have to look at a positive development here. We have to look at the positive picture. Uh, there are around 140 Taiwanese companies, uh, especially in the states of Arunachal Pradesh, Gujarat, Haryana, Karnataka, and even uh, Uttar Pradesh. And some of the major companies that have been operating in India are Foxconn, Vistron, China Steel Corp, Asus, and even China Trust Bank is also, there are two branches of China Trust Bank in India. So these are the leading companies that have been trying to establish a strong foothold in India. And now that we know all the problems, I couldn't let Sana go without proposing some solutions. Listen in. 
there are problems and in this context if india has to do something i believe central and the state government need to really coordinate and work together and they really need to come out uh with a blueprint on how to attract investment from taiwan and even from taiwan's perspective taiwan has been coming up with studies to invest in countries such as southeast asian countries singapore thailand indonesia but i haven't really seen any study from taiwan's perspective as well so there is lack of motivation as well so i think even before going and being familiar with india there is this kind of fear that they might not succeed and let them just be in southeast asia where they have gained results and where there is going to be more success in comparison to india india is a highly bureaucratic country of course these are the problems that have been existing but countries such as japan singapore and several other countries have found their way out so why not taiwan Foxconn is working overtime to get clearances from the government in place so as to begin production at their plant. I started with something Steve Jobs said and I'll leave you to mull over something else that he said in the same interview. I actually think uh, Apple does one of the best jobs of any companies in our industry and and maybe in any industry of understanding the working conditions in our supply chain and we're extraordinarily diligent and extraordinarily transparent about it you can go on our website and read you know our report that we publish once a year um and we go into these suppliers and we go into their secondary and tertiary suppliers places where nobody's ever gone before and audited them before and we're pretty rigorous about it this might have been true of apple's operations in china but it seems like apple has stepped in at the foxconn plant in india only now Foxconn on their part are assuring better living standards for workers but the true test will be when workers return. And while we aim to be the second largest electronics manufacturing destination in the world, maybe we need to step back and assess if our infrastructure can keep pace with our ambitious plans. Emails sent to Foxconn and Apple were not responded to. I'm your host Dia Reki and you were listening to Foxconn Furori on the Morning Brief. Producers for the episode Bhavya Dilip Kumar and Soundarya Jayachandran from Avaaz, sound editor Varun Kapahi from Avaaz, executive producer Arijit Parman. If you like this episode, please make sure to share it on your social media. Do write to us at the morning brief at timesgroup.com. The morning brief airs every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Thank you. Have a great day. All clips used in this episode belong to their owners. Credits are in the description below.